Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks, Knight Frank's weekly research podcast. I'm Anna Ward and today I'm joined by Head of UK Residential Research, Tom Bill, and Senior Research Analyst, Chris Juice. Hi Tom, hi Chris. Hi Anna. Hello. So Chris, you're relatively new to this. We've, we've had you on last year, I believe, but this is the first sort of Chris-Tom duo I think we've had. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, very excited to uh, be back with you again. So we're approaching uh, quite an exciting date for the UK. Lockdown is about to ease. So what are you both looking forward to most? Hairdresser, pub garden, what are you excited about? Well, all of them, I All think. of them. Yeah, the pub beer garden. Um, shops seeing them open again will be good. I was just walking through uh, a shopping centre earlier this morning and it all looked quite forlorn, but people were getting ready for Monday. So it's going to be psychologically pretty important boost, I would have thought. Uh, that may you never know have a have a sort of knockover or spillover effect into the property market that's um that's already going very strongly anyway. Let's hope so. And Chris, how about you? What are you looking forward to? Haircut. Yeah, I was going to say the beauty of being on a podcast is uh, that we're saved from from the current condition of the hair, um, so that would be good. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's actually been over three and a half months. I mean. Tom, for, for the property market, I mean, do you see this as just symbolic or do you think actually now that, you know, people can see a return to some sort of normal that that could actually have quite a boost for the market? I think at the moment it's it's actually quite difficult to find anything negative to say about what's happening in the property market for all sorts of reasons. Activity levels are just very strong at the moment. And stamp duty has certainly played a part. The shifting deadline for the end of the holiday, I think it's probably encouraged more buyers, encouraged more sellers out into the market. But actually what's been happening is that the market's just been very strong anyway. You've had people that are now sitting on, you know, in many cases, sitting on cash that's accrued over the last year. And frankly, the vaccine rollout is not only a, kind of a good thing for sentiment, but it also means more people are getting vaccinated and therefore more people are able to you know, feel that they're able to move. So there's a whole series of reasons, I think, that have led to this very strong moment that we're in for the UK property market. And I think it'll continue certainly for several more months. And I think even as people think about the summer and plan for summer holidays, that may even create a bit of a a more normality around the spring market and bring forward some decision-making. So the next three months, I think, are going to just be very very busy and it's pretty unadulterated, you know, good news for the market at the moment. And Chris, you've really been at the coalface. Obviously, Tom has highlighted the vaccine. I think it's about 46% of the population in the UK that's now been vaccinated. What does that mean for the country? You've clearly been tracking one of the act- most active markets um, for Knight Frank. Are you seeing that sort of ease off a bit now? Or what are you seeing going on? Well, I mean, just to quickly recap, we saw an extraordinary uh, period in the sort of back end of the six months to the end of the year last year, where certainly the, the country market was just, effectively on fire and it it posted i think its biggest sort of annual increase in prices in over six years despite the closure of the market for close to eight weeks we saw more offers accepted in our uh, our country business uh last year uh than we have in uh you know more than 10 years so it was a really unusual time and this really did continue without a pause until we reached the most recent lockdown uh, and then I think not just exclusively to the country market, it was across the UK, really. Uh, we really did see a significant pause, as we've spoken about before on the podcast, a number of notes as well. I think the combination of understandably people's concern about uh, the emergence of COVID variants, the 
struggles that we all face. A number of us have been through them with balancing homeschooling and other commitments. Just saw a lot of the momentum from uh, the market in terms of um, sellers just take a pause, really. At the same time, we've seen prospective buyers continue to register and it ended up with a lot of buyers chasing fewer houses. So in these first few months, it has been, but March itself has exploded back into action and it's very busy again. It's interesting, I think, throughout this pandemic, the, that link between the property market and, and the, the wider economy, you know, GDP, I think it'll, you'll just need to reassess almost that link between what's happening in the property market and what's happening with those GDP numbers because they haven't really borne any resemblance to one another um, at all. And I think what, what you'll find if you look back at some of the sentiment indices is that actually that's probably a better indicator for how the property market has been performing um, as well. So it, throughout the pandemic, it's just been performing very strongly. The economic backdrop is improving. It's still, you know, it's still fragile. It's still in recovery mode. But actually, the property market is just, you know, just very strong at the moment. And given what you're both saying about, you know, that level of activity, if we're thinking on this podcast around sort of when a normal type of property market might return, I mean, how long do you think this kind of frenzied pandemic market will will last? I think we're going to see you know, un- until the summer, lots of activity. I think it depends. The sort of typical lull that we see over the summer will depend on how much people are able to get away on summer holidays this year. That's sort of up in the air at the moment. But there's no reason it shouldn't continue through. I think what the story of this year, I think, is going to be going from, a, as Chris mentioned, a, a fairly hesitant market in the first couple of months to a very strong market in the second quarter of the year. Over the summer, we'll see if there's a if there's a seasonal lull. And probably what will happen is that you'll, we'll transition into a bit more of a normal, um, you know, boring state of affairs almost, if you like, at the back end of this year. A lot of the activity in 2021 is likely to be front-loaded during these next few months. But I don't think actually we're going to see, you know, any momentous turning point for the market in the back end of the year. There are risks out there. Um, at some point, we'll you know ask questions about our repossessions going to rise. The end of furlough obviously is going to have some sort of impact. Tenants, you know, one day they'll, they'll, it'll become you know easier for landlords to um, to to evict tenants, and we might see some you know rental property come onto the market. Um, but none of them really suggest that that, that the market is going to take any particular turn in any, any any direction downwards. I think it'll all have an impact, but I think it'll just produce uh, a quieter, more normal market, I think, in the final months of the year. And Chris, from your perspective, I mean, are you seeing um, any kind of change in, in activity at the moment in the country markets? What what are you seeing going on? Well, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's like, I wouldn't say uncharted waters, but of course, last year, we effectively didn't have the spring market for the country market, which is traditionally is a peak in activity where obviously the weather has improved. Uh, people naturally uh, want their houses looking the best. Uh, they put them on the market and we have the buyers uh, come out to see them. Um, interestingly, talking to some of the teams, the view this year is that um, the lockdown, in a sense, has almost delayed getting at the same sort of level of stock onto the market that we would normally see in time for spring. So we're maybe uh, a few weeks behind where we would normally be. If we look at the figures, as I said earlier, we've had really strong interest from buyers registering uh, their interest. Um, it was only this month that we are now starting to see sellers getting in touch to get appraisals for their houses okay. to start seeing that come through. When you're talking about buyers, are you talking about largely London-based buyers? I mean, is, is the kind of 
the exodus from cities is that largely uh, if we can call it an exodus obviously but can we can we describe that largely as london driven do you think interestingly of course we did see an increase in london based buyers buying uh, in the southeast and the southwest last year but also a lot of that market has been driven by uh, local buyers essentially in the country market the other trend of course that we saw last year was yes there was uh, the escape but it was also about space it was about greenery but would you say it's sort of london driven though overall like in terms of the demand pattern I think there's a balance. I think London plays an important part uh, because of, um, you know, the natural gravity around it, um, the price differentials. It gives people a bit more money, a bit more affordability. I mean, I think the absolute one that I am I'm tracking very closely and I'm finding fascinating. And we were talking earlier about this return to normality and what normality might look like. And we still don't really know how this is going to happen. But there is a big opportunity, obviously, around hybrid working. So if it is a case that the new norm is a hybrid working model, that will obviously support people making choices, perhaps not to base themselves necessarily uh, around London all of the time. And Tom, in terms of other indicators that might be useful, I was reading an article this week just around um, Israel and Tel Aviv, and um, uh, it was just indicating that, you know, given that they vaccinated 59% of the population, um, what's quite interesting over there is prices in Tel Aviv seem to be rising, even with the absence of an international market. Uh, How are you seeing central London doing right now, given obviously the international restrictions are still very much in place? It's interesting, yes. I think the Tel Aviv market will be very much doing its own thing, but certainly buoyed by what's you know the the, the speed of their vaccination program. I mean, in central London, it's it's a slightly different story, I think, from the rest of the country. I think it's been in a holding pattern, I suppose, over the last six months is the best way to describe it. And the the obvious reason for that is is that buyers have been unable to get here from overseas in the numbers that they typically would. So. What we've seen happen in outer areas of London, the sort of the greener suburbs and parts of the country hasn't really been replicated in, in prime central London in terms of that trading volumes uh, and in terms of what's happened to prices. And so I think if we're talking about a return to normality, which potentially we're sort of on, on, on that route now, I think it'll be a slower process um, in prime central London. So not, not, as, not as speedy. And given given that process, and do you think that um, that there are sort of numerous sellers then in in London, perhaps sort of holding back from um, selling residential property in in the sense that they're kind of anticipating that given the vaccine progress, there'll be sort of further demand later in the year, or is that not really kind of following suit? Yeah, quite quite possibly. It depends on your on your particular circumstances. Once that international demand comes back, I think there will be a a period where it's not going to be obvious where prices are because you'll have a 2% stamp duty surcharge for overseas buyers, which is now in force from the beginning of this month. And you'll also have the fact to deal with that prices haven't done very much over the last six or seven months because, you know, because we've had that this absence of international buyers. And so if an international buyer comes back in and is looking to, to use this 2% surcharge as a negotiating tool, um, I'm not sure it's as straightforward as that. I think there'll be a period where prices will have to sort of find their new level. Uh, so potentially a short-term hiatus in the market, but eventually, of course, things will sort of get back. And do you think vaccine passports will be quite... I mean, if, if obviously, if they come in, there's been quite a lot of talk this week around them and, and perhaps, you know, as a means of revitalising cities. And I suppose in turn, if that, if that does happen, people might then increasingly um, value a sort of return to being 
sort of living in the city centre. I mean, do you think that could um, play a play a role in the recovery of um, sort of central city markets? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, if you look at the direction of travel on these things, I mean, that that's the way it's going, isn't it? So I, I imagine that they'll play a more and more important role. As will, of course, you know the the kind of from the international perspective as well. People being able to come into the country uh, without having to quarantine, and a bit of crystal ball gazing for you both in terms of where we might be in in twelve months' time. I mean, clearly, you know, Chris, you've been covering a, a really active market for the end for the entire year. Do you think you know this time next year there'll be less talk of a sort of rush to the country? Where do you think we'll be? One of the trends we're definitely tracking is. There's um, a lot of potential, I think, around the sort of regional town and city markets. So I think there'll probably be a natural evolution, if you will, a bit like we were expecting to to see in in London and some of the bigger cities where once your local town or city is open again and you can enjoy the hospitality services and the other uh, things that we we used to take for granted. I I think the case maybe to look to upsize there or to stay in that space will become more compelling than perhaps it has been. So I think it will evolve. And before we um, wrap up, as usual, I'll be asking you for an under-the-radar story, something you've read that you think will be interesting to our listeners that, that they might have missed. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Well, I don't know if it's technically under the radar, but it is an issue that I've been obsessed with. And it was a survey uh, by accountancy firm Grant Thornton of uh, their 4,500 staff uh, that found, interestingly, almost nine out of 10 of them uh, want to spend less than half their working week in the office. And it's it's just part of this this ongoing discussion we're having. And uh, I'm just really interested in what the reality is and what the perception is of, of how we're going to work in the future and what that means for, of course, where we're going to live, how we're going to live. Yeah, no, you're right. It's hard to get away from it. Actually, you do hear quite different views. I mean, some people are sort of never want to go back to the office again at most, but then the most people seem to want a bit of a mix. Uh, Tom, how about you? What's caught your interest this week? Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly recurrent story, actually, over the last, last few months. It is about the number of people who've left the UK, uh, particularly London, and gone back home during the pandemic. Uh, and all sorts of warnings about how they won't come back and what it'll do to the economy. I think it just goes back to my earlier point about trying not to read too much into what's going on at the moment and and think a little bit about where this is going to be in, in 12 months' time. I think it, it's true if you're working in hospitality or retail and, and you're you know, a European national and you've been furloughed, um, understandably, you know, you're going to go home where the cost of living um, is better. I think there's an economic dimension to this that probably gets slightly lost and that same economic dimension is exactly why exactly what brought them to the UK in the first place so I think from the angle of job opportunities and wages you know it's still in favour of the UK that hasn't changed because of the pandemic so uh, yes we've seen a number of people leave but I don't, I'm not I'm not particularly sure that they're that they're a large number of them aren't going to be coming back. So thank you so much, uh, Tom and Chris, for joining me today. A really interesting conversation. Um, I think you've shed a lot of light on sort of what a return to normal for residential property might look like. So it'll be interesting to catch up in a few months' time on that, for sure. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. So for more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks. <laughs>